Hi, I'm Monica Woodhams, and this is the Influencer Girl Lifestyle Podcast. I'm an influencer consultant and success coach, and I'm interviewing entrepreneurs, influencers, and industry experts who are making an impact and influencing the world so that we can start to live a life that we are so totally obsessed with. Hey y'all. Okay. So today's episode is with Zara Watson and she is an attorney who specializes in helping creatives. So influencers, creative entrepreneurs, all that, because you know what, if we have businesses, we need a lawyer. So really excited about the conversation that y'all are going to hear today. And we also touch on something really important. And that is the GDPR thing that is about to into play on May 25th. So that's the general data protection regulation in the EU. And that affects your email list, basically, because there's new regulation around how someone can opt into your email list and how they unsubscribe and all of that. And while yes, it is something that's going on in the EU, it does affect you if you have anyone on your email list in Europe. So I really wanted to kind of expedite this interview and get this out there to y'all because she talks about it. And a lot of people are talking about this, but not necessarily like coming from lawyers. So I think it's really important that this conversation that we have is coming from an attorney and that you can go to her website for any resources that you need. She has a blog post on this topic. So again, super important. And I hope you enjoy the episode. All right, y'all. I am here with Zara Watson. She helps creatives protect their passions and businesses through the area of intellectual property and contract law. Something so important. That's something that's something we kind of get, you know, we push to the side in our businesses sometimes because it sounds scary or daunting. So she has our back. So thank you, Zara, for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes. So I love to kick off these episodes with a little this or that. So are you ready? Yes. Okay. okay. Are you an early riser or night owl? Oh, gosh. Um, night owl. <laughs> Have you always been? Um, no. I, no. Um, I mean, I would say during law school, I was very disciplined um, mm-hmm. and definitely was an early, early riser, but I find that... I'm just, um, I just get, I'm just more productive at night. So Same. I become, yeah, more of a night owl. Yeah. Tea or coffee? Ooh, that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love both, honestly. Um, I would say coffee. It's, it's necessary. I need it. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Same. Uh, podcasts or books? A book, honestly. I've always been a bookworm. I love podcasts. Um, I, I listen to a lot of them while working out or driving, mm-hmm. um, but definitely a bookworm do you do like the like the handheld book or your kindle or yes no the physical yes (laughs) me too (laughs) i i think there's just something so satisfying about like actually holding the book (laughs) i agree i was also the person um at university who like if we had an ebook i would go to the library to print out the pages i would be so annoyed if we had an ebook instead of a text. No, I'm the same way. I'll definitely choose the physical over the, over an ebook. And I also find that you just retain like mm-hmm. 
the information or, you know, I don't know. It's just a, it's just a better read personally. I, maybe it's because we're just so used to that, you know, growing up. True. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the high school I went to also, it's like preschool through high school. And I saw that the preschoolers now get an iPad when they start. And I'm like, oh, I guess, I mean, that's the nature of things. So it'll be easy for them to learn that way. But it is interesting. Do you wear a colorful wardrobe or a neutral wardrobe? To be honest, neutral. I, I aspire <laughs> to have more of a colorful wardrobe, but I love my my nudes, my blacks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can't go wrong with those colors. I know. It's true. <laughs> Mimosa or a Bloody Mary? Mimosa. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then the last one is takeout or cooking? Cooking. What do you love to cook? So I'm vegan. Okay. Um, and I I found that it's just been really fun to experiment with a lot of um, traditional dishes. So just culturally, I'm um, part Haitian and Jamaican. So okay. we cook a lot of rice, a lot of rice and beans, um, technically meats and stuff. So, and um, we love um, baked goods. So I found it a lot of fun to kind of create vegan versions of those things. So, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's been really fun. And my sister, she's also vegan, so we both we cook a lot together and bake a lot together. Oh, that's so fun. I love that. Okay, so let's dive into your law journey and just kind of how you came from being at a firm to, you know, starting your own where you help creatives and bloggers and influencers. So what did that journey look like for you? Sure. It's been a very long journey. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I went to law school, oh my goodness, like not knowing what I wanted to do. A lot of law students and myself included, a lot of us think, okay, you know what? We're going to go into corporate law. That's where the money is. And come to find out after a few internships, I'm just like, okay, well, you know what? This is not what I want to do. So I began exploring different areas and I went into special education law and that was for um, very personal reasons. My youngest sibling, she has a learning disability called auditory processing disorder. So <clears throat> during my third year of law school, I joined a clinic where I was able to intern, essentially intern at a um, law firm that specializes in special ed. And I was just like, wow, this is really rewarding. Um, the people are really great. So, you know, let's do the internship for the year and see what happens. Um, so after I graduated, I was offered a position, a full-time position at the firm. And it was, it was a really rewarding experience, but something was just missing. I was just like, you know what? I'm not really passionate about this. I had had a travel blog for, oh my gosh, like about five years. And I, it wasn't anything um, that I was able to focus on, you know, 100%. It was just whenever I would travel somewhere, I would write like a blog post about it. But I loved doing that. And I loved connecting with different influencers. So during that time at the firm, I was like, how can I combine my love of writing, my love of travel with helping other creatives? And I was like, oh my goodness, like intellectual property law. How else can I protect, help other creative people protect their work through trademarking, through contract work, through copyright protection? So that was like the spark. It was, oh my goodness, my around August, I was just like, oh man, like this is really what I want to do. So I literally got to work um, in terms of just trying to come up with a plan. And in 
November, November, I had a very bad experience with a client and that was kind of like my breaking point. I went to my, the part, the owner, I went to his office and I was just like, you know what, like it's been such an amazing opportunity. Thank you so much. But you know, I'm not passionate about this area of law. And he took it so well. I was so shocked. It was the scariest like moment <laughs> of my life. I was like, oh my gosh, what is he going to say? But he took it really well. And everyone at the firm was super supportive. And I'm still, I still keep in touch with a lot of, a lot of my colleagues. So oh, that's awesome. yeah, that's, that's pretty nice. much my journey. <laughs> it's nice to be able to, you know, go your separate ways, but know that the relationship built like are real. It's not just because you were coworkers. Absolutely. Yep. So how much trusting had to go into trusting yourself in order to make such a, you know, like go out on your own kind of thing? A lot of trust. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a, a leap of faith. Um, but I just knew, sometimes you just know, like I knew that it was the right move for me. I knew that this is what I had to do and wanted to do. So it felt, it felt right. As scary as it was, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I love that. Like, really trusting your intuition and just when you know, like, I think that's how it is for me, too. When I quit my corporate job, which was my quote-unquote dream job, um, there was just that part inside of me that's like, it just has to be done. Was there ever any guilt that you felt by leaving? Yes, yeah, there was definitely guilt. Um, only because I had interned there prior to joining full time, and I had an amazing mentor who I still keep in touch with. And she, oh my gosh, because she had spent so much time teaching me everything, and I would, oh my gosh, I was, I would literally go into her office, possibly every hour, just asking her questions. So, yeah, the guilt came from that um, because they were, you know, she's so good to me. I felt right. bad leaving. Yeah, how did you kind of let that go or release that? Knowing that, um, you know, I'm doing, and I don't know how to explain it. I guess I'm just doing what's best for me overall. For and yeah. knowing that, you know, they if they really truly care for me, they'll be happy for me, you know, in the long run. They want to see me do well. And that's that's how it turned out. The, you know, we check up on one another and, you know, they're happy to hear that everything's that. going well. I love that. So how have you seen the work that you do really empowers influencers and bloggers? So I've gotten a lot. So a lot of my um, social media, um, I guess you can call it strategy, is just sharing information. So I try to share um, things that I've, I come across when working with clients. So a lot of contractual issues, um, yeah, especially contractual issues. A lot of people <laughs> don't you know, understand um, you know, certain like terminology that's supposed to be in the agreement. Like, a, I, for example, I, I've worked with a lot of photographers and one of their biggest issues is copyright and understanding, you know, whether they should assign copyright or, um, you know, keep the rights to their work. So that's been really great. Just being able to explain to people, you know, for, for, for me and a lot of my other legal colleagues, like, you know, what is kind of simple for us, but it's, you know, not common knowledge for a lot of people. So that's been really, really rewarding. Right. And I'm sure with bloggers too, like contracts, even like with brands or with like what they, like what they own on their website and all that kind of stuff. There's just so many layers to it. Like even like the privacy policy or terms and conditions. I feel like those are kind of like the basic things that you need on a website. But I mean, 
I don't really know, like, I wouldn't really know what actually that entails <laughs> without the help of a lawyer. Yeah, no, so it's it's been great to be able to help, you know, people understand, like, what they use every single day, you know what I mean? I feel mm-hmm. like it's very practical knowledge, so mm-hmm. I'm very grateful to be able to share that. What have you seen from your experience that's maybe something that someone who's been running their business for maybe like two or three years now, but they might not have in place yet legally that maybe they should have taken care of right when they started? Um, I would say, I mean, it's, it's definitely going to come down to, I'm trying to think of something else besides contracts because that's always one of the biggest issues. Um, I would say it's surprisingly three things. So the first, I would say that they're not, they're not an entity. So they're, for example, um, they're not a limited liability company. Um, and that's very important. I'm not saying that you have to become an LLC, but, you know, having some sort of um, entity protection is really important because it protects your personal assets. So you want to have, you, you want to make sure that you have that in place. Um, and then we already touched upon, talk, you know, talked about contracts. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. Um, the third, I would say trademarks. Um, if you're selling a product or service, you want to make sure that you have your, you know, whether it's your logo, your slogan, you know, what, if you name your stores, you know, something separate from your, your, your blog, for example, you want to make sure that you have that mark protected. So that would be the third thing. Okay. And I think I hear a lot of confusion on like the trademark, like, whether like it is necessary or it isn't necessary, I feel like I always see so much back and forth about that. So for you, that is something to kind of nail down in the early stages. Definitely. Because you want to avoid someone else using your name, your brand name to sell products. Right. I always use the example of Apple, right? Apple has their computers, they have their, the phones, they have, you know, so many different products. You want to, they literally have trademarked everything like every aspect of the brand apple has been trademarked so that's to prevent someone else from using you know the name apple to sell products definitely and is that like a complicated process or like an intimidating process to do or is it someone that something that like someone listening can be like okay i should take care of that this week it's definitely not do it yourself. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's it, it's an actual legal proceeding, um, and it okay. takes a year, about a year. It could okay, t- you so know, that's also something to consider. Yes, the length of the process. It could be shorter or it could be longer, depending on what you're you're trademarking. Um, but yeah, you have to provide um, different, like for example, a sample of um, the product that you're selling. So whether it's like a, a screenshot of like your online store or um, you know, a photo of a brochure, things like that. You have to provide them with like actual documentation. And excuse me, I completely skipped a step. The most important step is the trademark search, the clearance search. Mm. So you want to make sure that no one else has um, your name, is is using the same name that you are trying to to protect. So that takes a little bit of time to do. Okay. So what if you have a name and like you haven't been using it for a year and you like did a google search and you didn't find anything but then you do like start to go into the process and it turns out someone does have that what what do you do from there sure so google search will definitely not um be enough you'd also have to do um the the uspto the united states 
Farm Trademark Office. So you have to make sure that you do a clearance search with them, with any state databases, as well as you can do a Google search, you know, to see what else is out there. But in the event that, you know, you do the search, nothing comes up, then you apply, and then the, there is a name, um, essentially they're going to send you, the USPTO will send you what's called an office action, notifying you um, of, you know, whoever has that name. And they're going to essentially do an analysis. Um, they're going to look at who first used the name. They're going to look at um, the similarities, like, you know, are you selling the same brand, you know, excuse me, the same goods? So they're going to look at the category that you're both trying to, um, you know, protect the mark in. So it just depends on, you know, all those factors. Okay. But yeah, you may have to actually, you know, appear before the USPTO. And that's why it's important to have an attorney. Right. Yeah. What are your thoughts okay so a lot of people and a lot of bloggers and influencers they might think i don't have the budget right now to hire someone so what is your perspective on that as a lawyer i i i understand that especially because i'm an entrepreneur myself and i understand you know you want to i guess save and you know um avoid expensive you know things for your business but i mean this is definitely an investment i mean People spend so much money on bags, on, you know, different items of clothing. Why wouldn't you spend money to protect your business, to make sure that whatever you're, you know, whether it's a contract, that the contract that you're giving a client is bulletproof, you know, like if you're protecting yourself from, from any p- potential lawsuits. Totally. So and definitely I'm, you have to think of the investment. Totally. I'm one of those people, I'm like such a rule follower that even like, when I made like $5 in my business, I like had as much set up as possible. And I like did like make, get my, start my LLC and all that really early on. And I'm so glad I did in hindsight, because now, now that things are so busy in my business, it's like, thank goodness I don't have to stress out about that anymore. I did it when I had the time and the space to take care of those things. But I, I will say, like, I was actually talking to a friend two days ago, and she's like, um, oh, I don't have a privacy policy. And, and I was like, oh, that was like, I'm so glad that that was one of the first things I took care of, you know, because I don't even have to think about it. Except, and this is one of the things I want to talk to you about, is the um, GDPR thing. Because now, like, I'm like, okay, need to start reviewing things again. So can you kind of break that down for us? I know you have a blog post, so I'm going to link to that in the show notes. But um, yeah, if you want to give your insights. Sure. Um, So it's the General Data um, Protection Regulation, and it was enacted by the European Commission in 2016. And essentially the whole point of the GDPR is to protect the individual and uh, the individual rights and freedom rights of European citizens. So that really boils, boils down to consent. They want to make sure that the EU citizens have the opportunity to, you know, click, to, you know, accept whatever it is that you are going to be presenting to them. So whether that's, you know, requesting, excuse me, whether that's them signing up to join your newsletter, there should like essentially be a checkbox saying that they agree to those terms. Um, whatever that they're going to where whenever you're going to be collecting personal data from them you want to make sure that um 
you know, there is a consent form or a box that they're able to actually, you know, explicitly say that they are agreeing to receiving whatever information that you're presenting to them. So, you know, you're going to want to go through your website, through your um, email newsletter, your privacy policy, your terms and conditions, and essentially want to make sure that everyone is able to provide some form of consent. Okay. Okay. And where I've seen some confusion is I don't live in the EU, so does this apply to me? But it does, correct? Most likely, yes, because, you know, the big world of the internet, anyone can come across your website. Um, Even for me, like I literally right now, and you should consider doing this as well, you have to go through your email list to see, you know, do you have any EU citizens? Um, And if you don't, or if you don't know, it's just safe to send everybody on your list um, an email and requesting that they consent to continue receiving your your you know your newsletter or su- subscription, um, so you don't know, but you want to have that option available to them in the event that they are. You can just make it available to everyone. Like everyone has to essentially just click a box or confirm. You know. That- right. So, for people who are like scared, like, well, what if not everyone sees that email, and then I'm all of a sudden going to go from like having thousands of people on my list to like a smaller number. Is that something to worry about? Or... I don't think so. I think if people are following you, you know, they're they're committed to, you know, to you. And if you... They're the ones who you want to keep on ex- Exactly. Yeah. So I don't think it's anything to worry about. I think if anything, it just shows that, you know, how much you care and, you know, the prof- how professional your business is. So I don't think it'll harm you at all. That's so true. I love that perspective on it. So as far as, you know, rev- making all these reviews... Do you think that's something that everyone can kind of handle themselves or is this something better to have someone, a professional, have their eyes on it? Uh, That's a tricky one. Um, (laughs) um, I would have to say it depends um, how big your organization and, you know, business are. Yeah, it really just depends on what information you're collecting. You know, if you're... If you're blogging about, I don't know, um, tra- I'm just giving you an example. If you're yeah. blogging about like travel, for example, um, I just, honestly, it's a very tricky thing to answer because I can't say right yes or no. I so think you can try maybe to start like out doing it yourself. Inform yourself first. Absolutely. That's and definitely then, the first thing. And then like if you feel like maybe there's something that you don't really understand, that's probably a sign to reach out. Absolutely. Yeah, because I think I've seen even from people who I follow sending emails about this and, like, giving their tips and tricks. And they're not attorneys. They're kind of just taking what they learned from someone else and passing it down. And what I've noticed is that these different emails I'm reading about, like, what you have to do, are some are contradicting each other. Right. I would be very, very careful with relying on people who don't have, you know what I mean? Like who are not trained in the stuff. So I would say um, definitely take a look at um, your newsletter subscriber and go to their website. They have, many of them have like a legal, like a legal notice about this. So I would read that aspect, not necessarily the, even the newsletter who's, who's summarizing. I would go to the actual legal department of that newsletter because Almost all of them do have that and just review what they're saying of how you need to comply. Okay. I love that tip. That's really helpful. 
Because again, like, you know, if someone's untrained in this area, you just, it's, and I think it's something that we have to remember, like, just how important this really is. Absolutely. So, okay, so all super helpful. Also going to link to your blog post just to make sure everyone, like, has that. Um, Another thing that I see a lot in the industry is conflicting views on what copying is and what being inspired by something is. That is a wonderful question. Go ahead. So so basically, let's, I mean, let's just start there in what's the difference between copying and being inspired by? So being inspired, let's start with that. Being inspired, because I feel like most people are inspired by things, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. when it comes to that, um, I, I'm always of the thought that you should request permission and because that's legally what you're supposed to do. So I actually have on my Instagram a post by a, a blogger. Um, her blog is with love from, with, from, with love from Kat. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that oh, blog. Yeah. yeah, I literally reached out to her. This is when I first started. I was like, oh my gosh, like I love... She had a, pic- a picture of... Um, it was like a Chanel bag and um, like a trench coat. It was just like not even her face. But I was like, you know what? I really like this image. And I, I used it to um, discuss women in business and how women don't negotiate enough. So nothing to do with fashion or anything like that. But I was like, I like this image. Do you mind if I use it? And I told her, you know, I'd give her credit, et cetera, et cetera. And she was totally fine with that. She was like, yes, as long as it's not going to be used for commercial or, or advertising purposes. That's typically the standard thing. So with those things, I would absolutely get um, get requests or get permission from the individual. I know that's not always easy to do, but, you know, would you want someone, you know, reposting your thing without giving you credit or asking your permission? So I think it's always important to think about it from that perspective. Um, and then a lot of people post from Pinterest, mm-hmm. like they'll repost things. So technically, you're not really supposed to do that. Um, if you're giving credit to Pinterest, that's typically fine. There's, you know, usually no problems with that, but they are, or whoever created the work is the copyright owner. So you, you're, you are supposed to request permission, but there's also another thing to consider. So Instagram, their actual, um, policy states that whatever you post on Instagram is essentially their, it's their property. So technically, you can just repost whatever you want, which is really crazy. Yeah. So that's why a lot of people don't get, like, in trouble for it, um, unless you're using someone else's image to make money. So if you're using it for commercial purposes, yeah, or, like, selling something using someone else's image, you can't do that. So, like, for example, you wouldn't be able to use someone else's image if you were doing an Instagram ad. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to give you an example of something that came up with a friend recently. And she has this freebie and then um, a service. And she saw someone who has been on her list for a long time and, like, they've had calls together and stuff, come up with a freebie and a service that's almost identical and maybe, like, the title is just like slightly different, but they have like this, there's one word in there that's still the same. So how do you differentiate if that's copying or if that's even something that like, like it can be copied and there's no legal ramifications around it or it's just being inspired by? 
So, I mean, if it's essentially word for word, then, you know, that's essentially copying in my, in my book. Okay. Um, it's that... Even if it's a, a service? And... So, I would have to know more information. Okay. Um, but I'm just thinking from past experiences. I've yeah. had people contact me and say, oh my gosh, like so-and-so like literally stole my fitness program and is doing the mm, exact okay. same that's thing. Okay, that's a good example. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they're like, that's, they're doing the exact same thing as me. Um, so that, yeah, the person was able to initiate a lawsuit because it was the same thing and they were making money off of the original person's idea. Got it. Okay. So in that sense, So an idea... Yeah or service or concept can be no like an idea cannot be okay not an idea yeah an idea cannot be copyrighted um or trademarked because it's not in what's called a tangible form it's not in like you know writing for example um but i i use that the the term idea loosely but i mean like you know if so and so is copying your exact gym program then that's you know basis for a lawsuit okay do you have to have already made money on it it doesn't matter it doesn't no it doesn't matter like a lot of artists like a lot of um designers oh that's a good point yeah they've been oh my gosh they've been i actually wrote an article on it h&m for example they were trying to yeah they were trying to um take the idea of this artist for one of their t-shirts they've actually done that a few times so (laughs) yeah not to sorry h&m but no, they yeah. they have been culprit multiple <laughs> times. Yeah. So that's another example, several examples actually of people who've who've tried suing H and M because they you know, they've taken their designs and used it for their apparel. Totally. Do you feel like you well, maybe you've come across this or maybe not, that someone is in a situation where they could take legal action because someone has copied them, but they're like just so hesitant about yeah. doing it because it's going to take so long yeah. and so much energy. Absolutely. I've been in a few situations like that and it's very understandable. Our, unfortunately, our court system is not the fastest <laughs> process. Mm-hmm. So it takes, it could take years and it's also very expensive for people. So mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are, you know, deterred to, to take action because of the cost and the time that it takes. Yeah. As someone, just like you personally, as a person, how do you make sure like you're always like empowering your client? Oh, sure. Um, I think just providing them with as much information as possible, like just giving them all their, you know, their options, um, providing them like sharing, like just sharing links to different resources, um, just being there, like being accessible, being, um, I don't know, open and listening. I feel like as a lawyer, your primary job is to listen, right? To, to um, just understand and empathize with your clients. So I think that's the best thing I can do. Totally. And as far as someone, if they're not quite ready to hire a lawyer, is there something in between I saw you have contract templates. Yes, I'm working on that, launching very soon. (laughs) (laughs) So why is that like a huge game changer for people, do you feel? Because I think a lot of people are um, hesitant to work with, because maybe for for cost reasons, they're like, oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, maybe this is really, really expensive. I don't know 
Um, I think just that that initial fear, like they don't know like what to expect when working with like a lawyer, especially with creatives, because many of them haven't worked with a lawyer before. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, making contracts accessible to just everyone in the creative space or as many people in the creative space as possible makes it more accessible and um, like allows everyone to have an opportunity to protect their businesses. Like you work so hard to create, you know, your brand and your business. So like contracts are so important <laughs> so literally you should see me right yes. now i'm like please <laughs> yes have a contract <laughs> yes so i'm very excited to um to launch that yes i love that <laughs> i think that's gonna be like a huge game changer thank you um as far as like hiring a lawyer what are some things to consider when you're like about to work with a lawyer for the first time Sure. I would say, um, doing, of course, doing research on the, on, on the attorney, checking out their, their website, any articles, um, and now social media, because a lot of lawyers don't have um, social media handles. So definitely take a look at that um, to see, you know, because you want to you want to see if you will work well with that person. Right. You can kind of get a sense of their um, personality a little bit. Um, you want to see, you know, find out their experience, like if they've had experience in work, working with people in whatever field or whatever um, area that you're in. Um, any reviews, that's always great. I um, think that's it. Definitely uh-huh. having a consultation call. I think that always helps oh, because okay. you want to make sure that you mesh well with the attorney, right? So Totally, totally. And like that you feel comfortable exactly. enough to like be yeah. transparent with them. Absolutely. Because they probably need as much information yeah. as you have and yeah, you don't want to be scared. Exactly. You want to feel as comfortable as possible. Totally. Do you think that it's better to start to like do the research and find a lawyer that's a good fit for you before like, you know, anything were to happen, so to speak, where you'd actually need them? I think so. I think you want to have, you know, like their contact information saved. Like if you come across an attorney that you like and, or that, you know, sparks your interest, like definitely, you know, bookmark it or, you know, just save save it in the event that you do need to work with an attorney. Totally. Okay. That's really awesome advice. So as far as your business itself, because, you know, you are an entrepreneur, what has been your like, oh my gosh, I made this happen moment? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Wow. <laughs> I would have to say, I think when, this sounds so silly, but I think when I like had my, my website, like finally done or mm-hmm. pretty much almost done, I was just like, oh my gosh, like everything has come together. I can finally like put my services out there, um, yes. start reaching out to, to the creative community. So I, I love that. <laughs> thank you. It's so true. And <laughs> like, it's, it really is that like, you put yourself out there and it's like, this is real now. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So there are a few lifestyle questions that I ask all of my guests. So the first one is what is your morning routine? Orange theory fitness. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I love orange. I don't know if you've, if you've taken a class. Yeah. Okay. I love, I love it. Um, so I'll try to work out in the morning. It's not always possible. Um, on the days that I don't, I try to meditate. Um, that's pretty much it. Like I'll either work out or like do some form of meditation in the morning. Love that. I think that's like a good, like mind, body, spirit kind of balance thing. Um, I'm 
like that way too. Like I need to move and then I also yeah. need to just like center myself. Absolutely. <laughs> Those are my best days. <laughs> and then what is your favorite lifestyle hack? It could be like any tip or trick that you have when it comes to beauty, wellness, travel, anything. Um, let's see. Lifestyle hack. Um, I'll do one travel and one okay. business. Cool. <laughs> Let's start with, I guess, business. Um, okay. I don't know if this is like essentially a hack, but I, I use Evernote a lot. <laughs> okay. I just yeah. to jot down all my ideas, um, to literally to saving that, that comes across that, you know, I think will be helpful. Like any, any like helpful post ideas. So Evernote is amazing. And this app that I discovered recently called TickTick. Oh, what's that? It's like a to-do list. Like, um, yeah, it's for your phone and desktop, and it's awesome. I love it. So highly recommend checking those um, those two out. Um, And then in terms of traveling, I um, there's an app that I love. Um, It's also by um, with love from Cat Katanita. She has Mm -hmm. like a travel app, which is amazing. She recommends different um, restaurants, different things to do in different cities. So that's one of my things. Like whenever I'm traveling somewhere, I'll open her app and like, oh, okay, let's see what restaurant she recommends in this, in this state or this city. That's awesome. I need to check that out. Yeah, it's really good. That's amazing. (laughs) Okay. So one last kind of industry question, which I think is also, it's kind of like the million dollar one right now. Mm -hmm. And that's like the FTC rules when it comes to instagram posts so sure oh wow what, okay yeah i didn't realize I, that was like <laughs> it is, like i Still. have people ask me all the time like just being things about this and i okay. never have a good answer other than like here's an article i saw in it. that's so funny Cause, yeah because it's like i think part of it seems like it's common sense to like disclose obviously yeah. if you're getting paid. Right. So, like, you're actually, like, getting that check from the brand. Right, right. I think where people get confused is if it's just free product that was sent to them. Yeah. So, you have to disclose that, too. Um, I think I, I, I think a lot of – so, I've spoken to a few influencers about this. And for them, they're just saying, you know, this doesn't seem authentic. That they're um, essentially saying that it's sponsored or, you know, it's an ad. Um, I actually wrote a, an article about this. Um, I had attended this um, webinar where we heard from like actual FTC representatives. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that when it comes to sponsored posts, their favorite like way to disclose it is by using um, hashtag ad. Sponsored okay. is okay, but for them, they just feel that like literally saying hashtag ad is the clearest way to make people aware of that. That and, makes sense. Yeah. And they also said that they want um, influencers to make sure that they disclose, you know, that it's, that's an ad or, or a sponsored post before, like, it has to be like within the first three lines. Like it cannot be below the, like if, if you have to click more, see more, then that's right. not proper disclosure. So you want to make right. sure that it's, you know, visible to the, to the reader. Right. I think it's like common sense, but at the same time, yeah. like bloggers and influencers are very much about the aesthetic and how right. it looks right. and the creative side. And it's like, oh, that clouds it. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. maybe why like there is that hesitation from some influencers sometimes. Right. But at the same time, it like it's to protect the consumer. And exactly. 
as influencers, we're here to be on like the consumer side. Exactly. So if we're hiding that, then I think that kind of yep. kind of defeats the purpose. Yep. You said it exactly. Perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you um, ever get any questions about the FTC stuff? Um, not lately. I had posted about it a while ago, um, and I did get a few questions about it then. Because um, last year there was a big thing about it. Yeah, they had reached, the FTC had reached out to several, not only influencers, well, celebrities are influencers, right? Mm-hmm. But like, you know, think of, um, oh my gosh, so many of them just came to my mind. Um, several celebrities they had reached out to, literally sending them like uh, letters saying that, you know, they have to like disclose information the right way or, mm-hmm. you know, basically they threatened to to find them if they didn't comply. It was like a warning. They were warning letters. Right. So, yeah, it was a bigger deal. But I think most people now know what they have to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's just, I think sometimes the new new bloggers, right. they're, they're not really sure, especially because they're in a phase where they are still only getting free product and not getting paid. Right. So I think that's where some influencers and bloggers are still a little bit confused. Yeah. Even when it comes to a free product, you have to disclose that it's, you know, a gifted gifted product or you know mm-hmm. partnering with, you know, whichever whichever brand it is. You have to you have to provide some sort of disclosure of what it is. Totally. And you know what? I think people appreciate that. I pe- yeah. think people appreciate knowing that because if not then it loses its authenticity. Yeah, totally agree. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. There's so much good stuff in here. It's my pleasure. Thank you again for having me. Yeah. I just think that it's just so important to remember like this business side of things and really put the business hat on even when, you know, absolutely we're doing something that's our passion, but there is the business side of things and it's just to protect ourselves exactly do it just get it up do it you know in the beginning if possible so you don't have to worry (laughs) about it later exactly so where can everyone find you sure so you can find me on instagram um my instagram handle is zara.watson um or on facebook it's again zara watson and then my website zarawatsonlaw.com perfect And you have so many good resources in your blog. And I think that the the way that you explain things, you break it down, it's easy to understand. It's nothing overwhelming and it's nothing that needs to be scary. Thanks for listening to the Influencer Girl Lifestyle Podcast. Loved this episode? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review. For show notes and free tips and trainings, head over to monicawoodhams.com slash podcast. You'll be able to learn more about this week's guest and how to connect with her as well. Talk soon, y'all.